0: Hi, my name's Hutton, and I'm a geoholic.
1: Hello, my name is Dr. Nick Smolovsky, and I am also a geoholic. Thank you for tuning in for another historically epic edition of Bad Elf's 60 Seconds of Spatial News. We at Bad Elf live our lives 60 spatial seconds at a time, and we know you do too. For this week's spatial news, we are discussing prehistoric cartography. Recently, CNN Travel highlighted some interesting research coming out of France. Researchers have relocated an ancient, three-dimensional map depicting the earliest cartographic representation of a known territory in Europe—more specifically, ancient Brittany. Dating to the early Bronze Age, somewhere between 1900 and 1640 BCE, the 12.7-foot-long stone slab originally was found in a burial mound in Western Britain and then re-found in a moat of a famous castle nearly centuries later. Researchers found that the slab had carvings resembling a map with repeated objects joined over distinct lines. They also realized 3D shapes represented valleys and depicted a river, specifically the Odette. With this level of detail, it appears that ancient societies had a much better understanding of cartographic knowledge. Nothing like a 4,000-year-old map to teach you something new. I should point out that the researchers utilized high-resolution 3D surveys and photogrammetry to complete their analysis. Gotta love some solid geodetic technology to nerd out over. All right. That does it for this week's Bad Elf 60 Seconds of Spatial News. We hope you enjoyed our Selected News of the Week. If you have any questions about this story, about Bad Elf GNSS solutions, or you have any other pressing existential thoughts about the cosmos, please feel free to contact me via LinkedIn or through the Geoholics channel. Roger Dodger, over and out.
2: Just a quick note to express our appreciation for the 2021 Friends of the Program for their continued support. Please consider their products and services as they have special promos for Geoholics listeners. Aerotech Mapping, Inc. ATMLV.com Advanced Geodetic Surveys, Inc. AGSGPS.com BadAlfGPS Bad-Alf.com Cobb Fenley CobbFenley.com Cyanic Automation CyanicAutomation.com DiamondbackLandSurveying diamondback land surveying diamondbackland surveying.com get kids into survey get kids into survey.com land surveyors united land mentoring mondays mentoring monson engineering monson engineering.com parkland community college parkland.edu forward slash land surveying safety apparel safety apparel.us and last but not least tiger supplies tigersupplies.com good morning geoholics we are coming to you live this morning from the diamondback land surveying studio in what well, is apparently going to be a cloudy, blustery day in Phoenix?
3: I know we're going to enjoy this one before it turns into a hundred degrees before we know it. It's crazy. I mean, I think
2: the predicted high today is like seventy-three, and by the weekend it's going to be a hundred and one.
3: That that's a pretty nuts difference.
2: Spring is over, <laughs> unfortunately. Jeez. So our esteemed guest for this episode resides in the UK, so we had to make the necessary arrangements on our end to make time for everyone. I think. Uh, I think we got the short end of the stick on this one, but uh, since it is just after 6 a.m. here. But that's quite all right, because uh, he is definitely worth it. We are recording episode 80. I'm pretty certain I know what this is going to be, but what you got for number 80 shoots? Of
3: course, it's Jerry Rice. Of course. When you're the greatest of all time at your position, you earned it. Uh, he's 1985 first-round pick, number 16 overall out of Mississippi Valley State. Went to the 49ers, spent a few years there. 13-time Pro Bowler, three-time Super Bowl champ, Super Bowl twenty-three MVP, and he is in both the College Football Hall of Fame and the NFL Hall of Fame.
2: Wow. And you, you abbreviated all his accolades, I'm sure. Oh, absolutely. Because, uh, that could go all day. We could probably do an entire episode just on Jerry Rice's accolades.
3: I think it was 10-time all day. Team first or first all team. <laughs> yeah, he, he yeah. The list goes He's on. Mister everything uh, holds a record for just about everything in wide receiving in yep. football. So yep, yep.
2: I think there might be a couple things that Larry Fitzgerald might be catching him on, or maybe he has caught him on. I don't know. But
3: catching up, Terrell Owens was was the guy hot on his tail. If that guy just wasn't crazy, yeah. but no, yeah, he, exactly, he was consistent for such a long time. Yep,
2: yep. All right. So I can't believe, you know, speaking of episode 80, I can't believe we're 20 episodes away from the century mark. I know it's unbelievable. Right. I mean, who would have thought we could keep this thing
3: going <laughs> and growing as, and
2: growing for as long as we have and the traction that it's got. it's just, it's mind blowing. Um, crazy for sure. But uh, speaking of crazy, the new hats are a hit. Uh, in fact, because of the response we received from the pics I posted on social media, we're going we're gonna to put all three versions of the hat. Um, they're going to be available for purchase via the website.
3: I like it. Because I
2: had a bunch of people reach out to me. How can I get one? How can I get one? So I think we're going to, well, we, we are going to do that. I just got to figure out how to get it on the website. So, PJ, I might need your technical expertise on that. Yeah. Um, just throw more
3: on PJ's plate. Yeah, right. He's got nothing <laughs> else to do.
2: All right. talk about that opening number there, PJ. All
3: right, guys. That was
0: Decon Blue. Fergus Sings the Blues. So Decon Blue are a Scottish pop rock band formed in Glasgow. Glasgow. Glasgow? Yes. Glasgow. Glasgow. During 1985, the lineup of the band consists of vocalist Ricky Ross and Lorraine McIntosh, the keyboard player James Prime, and drummer Dougie Vipond. Uh, The band released their debut album, Rain Town, on May 1st, 1987, in the United Kingdom and in the United States in February 1988. Fast forward 33 years, the band's 11th studio album, Writing Writing on the Tide of Love, was released in February 2021 to commercial success in both the UK and their native Scotland. As of 2020, Deacon Blue's total album sales stood at $7 million with 12 UK top 40 singles, along with two number one albums in both UK and Scotland.
2: Very good, PJ. Just a couple uh, corrections there. I think in our, our guest this morning will be able to correct us on this. I think it's Deacon Blue?
0: Yeah, I didn't... I went back and forth. But here's what
2: I love. I love when our guests... Um, suggest a band that I've never heard of before. Yeah. Because I mean, I consider myself a big music person, and when I get to hear a band I've never heard before that I like, um, it's awesome. Well, is, these guys
0: are pretty esteemed. Yeah, 33 sure. years. It's yeah. a long
2: time to do it. Absolutely, absolutely. So uh, thanks for that, PJ. Uh, our highlighted friend of the program this week, Shoots, what do you got? I believe, uh, who are we up to? We're up to Advanced Geodetic Surveys, Inc. That is Inc.
3: correct. They're a Texas S corporation specializing in mapping and land surveying equipment. That has been proudly doing business since 1991 their team provides the best solutions and services for your needs ags has consistently provided expertise in the surveying and mapping industry they offer a comprehensive list of competitive surveying and mapping products the staff at ags has a combined experience over 135 years holy schmoly with that in mind you can be sure that they are able to solve any problems and obstacles that you may encounter in the field their number one priority is customer satisfaction. They look after their clients and strive to provide a hassle-free experience for all your GPS mapping or surveying needs. They guarantee reliable equipment and offer short and long-term rental options to fit your needs. Their clients are located all over the world and they look forward to helping excuse me you with your next project. You go to agsgps.com/shop SHOP, S-H-O-P. Slop. Ah, it's early, boys. It's early. And if you use promo code GO15, you'll save 15% off all regular price field supplies, accessories, and safety equipment. At AGS, it's the service after the sale that counts.
2: Thank you, Shoots. I got to say, our morning voices are Um, unbelievably sexy. (laughs) I mean, this is amazing. Man, we sound good.
3: Like I said, I was talking to myself the whole time on the way here just to wake it up, and it's still not there.
2: All right, time for this week's Trimble Geospatial Podword. This week we're going to go with, I don't even know if this is a word, but I'm using it, Geo15, Geo15. Just a reminder, this is the last episode for April, meaning we have recorded four regular episodes this month, plus the extra Geoholics Anonymous, but no podword that one, so there's four, each one having a unique pod word. So stop what you're doing and email us all four April pod words to qualify for this month's listener prize being a hand selected item from my personal collection of survey memorabilia. Remember, remember See, it's, not, it's not that easy. It's not easy at all. <laughs> uh, it's pretty freaking cool, and I can assure you that you are going to want it. So that email to send the pod words to is info at com. Let's catch up with the boys. Good morning, PJ. What's new? How oh,
0: are you now? Good morning. Um, so I made an announcement in the group chat uh, a couple of days ago that I am going to be pursuing golf this summer. So uh, we're going to get some clubs going, Love and it. I've never really played anything more than just at a driving range for an hour or two. Nice. Nice. Um, and mostly just driver stuff. And I think that's probably what's discouraged me is just always just swinging the driver around, which is yep. from what I understand, one of the harder clubs. So mm-hmm. it's been like, okay, I can't do this and just kind of gave up. So with summer coming around the corner and take advantage of these cheap fares, these courses, I'm going out there. For so sure. I want to get to, to the it. point where I can just be out there and be able to just go with a, a foursome and, and keep up for sure. Yeah. So for sure. I'll, it takes I'll
2: keep you posted, time, but yeah. yeah. Yep. No, the good best move. advice
3: I ever received was start with your putter and work back. Because you, you're using the putter every hole. You're not using your driver. Mm, a good one. Wow. I yeah. like that. I, I like that. that. I was a former friend of the program, or guest of the program. That Who's that? that? The Verge. The Verge. Oh, okay. Mayor of Verge. <laughs> yeah, style. I mean,
0: I've seen him play golf, and he can really swing a stick, so yeah, I'll absolutely. take that for sure. For sure. And take lessons. Take yeah. lessons.
2: Not from me. Not from oh, shoots. Not from take real, real license. Real license. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Don't take, Don't get into like you know. Have
0: some bad habits right off the get go. Yeah. And then you can't yeah. break them. Yeah.
3: Exactly. You get accustomed to playing a certain way, and then yeah. it's hard to break those habits. For sure. For sure.
0: Duly noted. Shoots, how, how are you?
3: Uh, fantastic! I finally convinced the lovely Carrie to go for Nintendo Switch. That's right. I nice. forgot about that. I am a rock star around my house right now. Nice. Do you have one already? Yeah. How,
0: what do? What's the review? Early review.
3: Uh I like it. It. Uh, Keeps me out of trouble. I stay up all night playing that instead of doing stuff I shouldn't. But... uh
0: What are you playing? Mario? What are we talking?
3: We got Mario 3D World, The Maker. Have you played that one? Uh, I've seen it. I've never it's pretty excellent. You get to, like, build your own levels of Mario. So... <laughs> now they just and mind.
0: assuming the little guy loves it.
3: Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Oh. It's, it's uh, his reason for living currently. So... <laughs> He gets up first thing in the morning. He's like, thanks for getting a Nintendo Switch. So, so. It, it used
2: to be school. That was his reason for living. So yeah. screw that. No, now, now he
3: just lives for the Switch. Exactly. I asked him, I said, do you want to <laughs> stay home and play Nintendo all day or go to school? And he said, Nintendo. I think Carrie was heartbroken. Okay. But.
2: I would love to know, like th- somebody should do a study about the progression of video games and the degression, I guess, of the level of education. In this country Yeah Like you know what I mean I I don't know if I'm saying that right But man what a distraction Those things are right They
3: are I know they were for
2: me in college I mean I'm guilty of it as well But
3: What was that like The Atari days I was
2: like um, (laughs) Oh what was that one Donkey Kong or something Uh, On Nintendo Coleco Vision, perhaps. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. No, it was
3: Nintendo. It was Nintendo. I do remember that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, what's up with you?
2: Oh gosh, what's up with me? Um,
3: Besides Nintendo, I think
2: I have become a bigger Elon Musk fan than ever. There's some really cool stuff going on with that guy right now. I mean, cooler than ever. Um, I did see he's going to be. A- the guest host on mm-hmm. Saturday Night Live. I That's m- going to be
4: crazy. Maybe? I mean, if you've
0: ever seen any sort of public speaking that he does, and he refuses to not be the guy that does it. So all the Tesla events, all the yeah. SpaceX events, he, he wants to be the spokesperson. But the guy just has such a hard time talking. I'm convinced it's because he is, he can't process yeah. what's going on in his brain and mm-hmm. get it out. Yep, but yep. this is going to be crazy. You saw his tweet, right? Yeah. No. You, what's the tweet? He was like, let's see how live Saturday Night Live really oh, is. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. I'm sure he'll be... Uh, and by the time this airs, and we're gonna find out how live Saturday Night Live.
3: He'll is. Uh, he'll
2: be par- partaking in the devil's lettuce. I have oh, to believe,
3: of course. Prior entering the like show on Rogan's podcast. Yeah, yeah. And Tesla yeah. dropped like yeah, four sure. percent the next day. Yeah, yeah that's <laughs> awesome.
2: Four point two percent, or called four twenty. Yeah, yeah. There
3: you yeah, go. yeah. Um,
2: the other thing is, I saw he's like, did you hear his? Uh, maybe I read it about him sending people to Mars, and yeah. he's he's like, it's going to be the greatest adventure ever, but. People die. will die.
3: <laughs> so you <just laughs> I love the honesty. You know, it's awesome. You're mm-hmm. donating your body to science. Pretty much,
2: pretty much, definitely. So anyways, huge, huge Elon Musk fan. Uh, not ready to buy a Tesla quite yet, though. Safety apparel, safety share, shoots, what you got?
3: Uh, lead awareness. Lead is one of the most common toxic elements found in industry and in, is the leading cause of workplace illness with approximately 90, 95% of all elevated blood level Blood lead levels reported among adults in the United States are work-related. Lead poisoning can damage the brain, liver, kidneys, and red blood cells. It can also damage bones and cartilage and harm the reproductive system. Nobody wants that.
2: Does that have anything to do when they talk about having lead in your pencil?
3: Exactly. There you go. That makes (laughs) sense. So here's some of the ways you can protect yourself and workers against lead exposure. PPE, such as gloves, safety glasses, and face shields. Like we don't know what PPE is at this point in Mm. our lives. Respiratory protection. Respirators protect workers against oxygen-enriched or deficient oxygen environments. Ventilation is one of the most important engineering controls available to the industrial hygienist for improving or maintaining the quality of the air in the occupational work environment. I like it. Yeah. I don't think think we've used that one before. Lead awareness. I just saw it and I was like, all right, you know, something people don't really think about. Just another
2: thing to worry about. Exactly. (laughs) If uh, if COVID doesn't get you lead, will.
3: We'll call it the safety share slash, you know, something else to worry about. There you go. (laughs) Yeah. That's what we should do. I like that. (laughs) All right. Let's
2: get on with this. Our guest today is Steve Slessor. Yeah. A little bit about Steve here before we get into it. Uh, He's born in the Lake District, which is in northern England, and grew up in a small town called Penrith. Hopefully, I got that right. He attended the University of Central Lancashire, 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 which is in Preston, and did both his undergrad and master's degrees there. Steve is a keen gardener, and Jake, you're going to love this. He loves building Lego models.
0: Wow. Yeah, hey. we're going to talk a
2: little bit more about that. Also, a big fan of football, also known as soccer here in the States, and has a season ticket at the Liverpool Football Club, which I want to hear more about. He is the managing director of the environment division of Galliford Tri, better known as GT. GT is a UK top 10 building and infrastructure contractor. One of Steve's career highlights is becoming the president of the chartered institution of civil engineering surveyors in the UK. He views this as an honor and a privilege to lead one of the world's leading organizations in civil engineering surveying. That was a mouthful. Steve, welcome to the Geoholics. Thanks for taking the time to be here.
4: Welcome. Uh, thank you very much. It's really kind of you for that uh, fantastic welcome and, uh, uh, I, i'm really sorry for getting you out of your beds in the morning i know how much you'll love it and i can see you sort of the the drip in the background there uh shoots in kent where the coffee coming straight into intravenous systems trying to keep you awake during this you know? so th- thank you for being with me where i've been up for the best part of eight hours and already done the shift you know so, so that's how i roll that's of course right yeah you I love, but uh, just listening to your, your stat there about the lead pipes, uh, the lead—you you do know that like near enough half of the uh, the American water mains network is made out of lead pipe. Uh, you know, so it's fascinating that uh, you know that's still there, such a big thing. I read somewhere recently that uh, presidents commissioned a big lead pipe removal program, so.
2: Yeah, yeah, I've heard about that. Yep, that was quite
3: yeah. the introduction. But uh, towards the end, there, when you said it's an honor and a privilege to work on whatever, I thought you were going to say to be here. Yeah, there I, you was go. So be like. I was so <laughs> close. I was like, oh,
4: cool. But- yeah. So I, I know, Wait, j- of course, it's an honor and a privilege to be here, guys.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure Jake's got a question for you about the Lego uh, building.
4: Yeah, what's the what's your favorite
0: set you've put together? But well,
4: you know what, um, uh, what I'm going to do is. Um, I, I'm speaking to you via Zoom, but um, if I undo my uh, camera, the uh, the background, you'll see I've actually got a load of Lego trains behind me sitting on my wall there. Um, oh, wow. Quite like the train sets. But if I go up, um, you can see some of the other sort of Lego models that I've got in here. Yeah, London big, Bridge. that Star Wars fans, so quite a few. Then the statue. League. I do love coming to the States. It's one of my favorite places to visit. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's pretty cool. And um, so I like I like the Lego models that come from there, like Empire State and Statue of Liberty and, and, and things like that. So, yeah. But, yeah, I've been a Lego fan since I was, like, a little boy. And, and it, once you, you, you grew out of it a little bit, but then you have kids and then you suddenly remember why you really loved it. And you start playing with them again. Like, I've got three girls, so it's all been sort of Lego friends and Heartlake City shopping malls and things like that. You know, it's <laughs> not my ideal way of playing Lego, guys. You ain't going to lie to you, but uh, I'll take what I can get.
2: that's awesome and i gotta ask you because i i mean i I wouldn't consider myself a huge footballer soccer fan but i do enjoy watching it especially like the game like the liverpool games and stuff like that just because that that atmosphere it looks like it's unbelievable what is it like to be physically at one of those games
4: do you know something i ain't gonna lie to you there's games that you go to and it's just it's very transactional because i've been going for so long and you you get into it you get it it just become so normal you you well, I'll say to you is I've been in that place in some incredible games in my uh, football watching life. I think the most, in, the two ones that stand out were we played Chelsea in the Champions League semi final in 2005 before we got to Istanbul, and it was the goal that was never scored. It was it claimed never to go over the line, but it was given, and the place was just incredible. I was sitting at the back of what they call the Kenny the Kenny Daglish stand these days, but it used to be the Centenary uh, stand, uh, and it's just like. Corrugated iron at the back of the stand, and everyone's just ramming the back of the corrugated iron. The pl- you can feel the whole place bouncing around you. It's as if you're part of something. It's so incredible. You just it, you, you are. Although you're in all of the atmosphere, you you help create it. And certainly, the last sort of one of the best events of games have been to is certainly the home leg against Barcelona in the Champions League in 2019. Wow, where we were like you know four nil down to come back. And, and, and actually get through that fixture was absolutely incredible. Uh, and when that, when, when David Carigi scored that goal, I was sitting in the right in the corner right opposite where the corner flag was. And the place was just went, just went bananas. I can't even explain it. It's just incredible. And then um, some of the best troops that I've been really fortunate, I've been to lots of games over uh, in, in Europe, went to Madrid for that final uh, and spent four crazy hours in a square in Madrid they put like the imported live musical from Liverpool. It was just, it was mental. And wow. I'd done the same a few years previously in Kiev, um, Taksim Square. And it was just, this is, there's a word in Liverpool, it's called boss, which means it's really great. You know, it's it's the best. Uh, and so, you know, the the, 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 the events organised by this group called the Boss Night, um, because all they do is just put on events all around, getting the fans going, singing the songs, having a few beers, just enjoying life. You know, I, I would say that's a pretty good accurate representation of what's important to me, Ken. So, uh, yeah, it's good. I can't, it's difficult to explain without being there, but it's, it's electric.
3: I'm sure. Sounds sure. like Cameron Hughes needs to uh, make a trip over, over <laughs> yeah, the <right>. front.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, uh, I'll ride on his coattails over there. When you were telling that story about, you know, coming back from four down and the winning goal and being in the corner, I mean, I literally got chills just hearing that story. That was back.
0: recent, too. Yeah. That was only a couple of years ago. Yeah. Oh,
4: yeah, that was, that was just uh, like just shy two years ago. And uh, But... I mean, I've, I've been going there for 30 years and uh, been a lot of heartache at that time. I mean, we've, a bit like, so uh, we're owned by uh, FSG on Boston Red Sox and we know about the, I know a little bit about the tales of not winning the World Series. We, we won the league last year for the first time in 30 years and it was just um, because of the COVID constraints, the, the game, it was actually, we, we weren't even playing Chelsea, had to, uh, had to win uh, or get beat, kind what it was against another team. And so we're watching it. and I'm watching it in my back garden with nobody else around me. Going absolutely mental with, lo- with a few beers. I'm watching it on my iPad, and the, you know you think the world had gone mental, but you, that was the most celebrated I think I've done, despite having wow. a 30 year pent up demand for that. You know, but, um, but it's great because yeah, there are some quite a lot of similarities, though. In I've been to some American sports games. I've been to uh, a few like baseball games. You know, um, and um, they're equally as good and equally as passionate just in different ways because it's a little bit more intense at different times, so Hmm. just different.
2: Yeah, that's interesting. Really good stuff there. I appreciate that. Let's get on with this. So we're going to focus on – We're talking the state of surveying in the UK and, of course, uh, Chartered Institution of Civil Engineering Surveyors, also known as CICES. So let's kind of lay the groundwork just a little bit. Um, So let's talk about the state of surveying in the UK. So my understanding is the population of the UK is plus or minus about 68 million people. And, of course, it's made up of four different countries being England, Scotland, Wales, and Northern Ireland. So hopefully I'm on track here so far so good, right? Good. (laughs) Okay. So as far as like surveying goes in the UK, I'm curious to see if you guys are experiencing some of the same trends that we are. And, you know, one of those is, of course, the decline in the number of surveyors. Um, You know, the average age of a surveyor here in the States is like 59 years old. And, uh, but yet the, the future demand is off the charts. Are you experiencing the same thing in the UK?
4: Absolutely. I think it's um, there's a lot of similarities there. Certainly the biggest challenge we've got as an institution and as a sector in developing uh, surveying in that way is around how we can attract new talent into organisations uh, and into businesses and into college or university, in, in, as we call them in the UK. Um, and you know, we're really looking at it in a lot of real detail and there's pockets of real excellence in order to help generate that kind of interest but we started a program to really engage with kids at a much younger age i think in the past we, we've really not started looking at new entrants or early careers until the sort of in the last years of college university um but now we're really sort of having to go back and actually start a much younger age so in, in primary school age from sort of 7 to 11 so we've developed some sort of like geo squad they're called cartoon books we'd yep. like create a little bit of animation around it uh, and generate some interest and, and working with organizations around that. We're working with some other partners around deploying land surveying training at high school age, so between 14 and 16. because what we find is most kids these days are making career decisions or career pathways around about 16, 17. And so we often find that we're missing that influence. I think the other thing is that there's this expectation from a lot of people in the UK that people have to go to university or college to be successful. And what we've found in the past, a lot of land surveys have moved up through a, a traditional route of on-the-job training. Some have got uh, a pathway via university, via geospatial sciences or mapping-type de- degrees, but um, it's very difficult. I think from the average age, doing a little bit of work, speaking to the guys, we're about 53, 54. Um, certainly the wrong side of, of 45, which is the average, yep. which is where you'd want to yep. be. And I think I think that, actually, that in itself causes problems because – not only are people coming out of the, the industry, but we're losing that knowledge. Uh, we're not having that knowledge to sort of send down to the younger people coming through. So one of the things we're doing in the institution is creating a knowledge hub where we, we, we speak to all our members that sort of in the later careers, gather that knowledge, gather that experience, put it in a central place where early career members, people that start that pathway can, can get involved, learn from that, mentor people, match people together. You know, um, so yeah, there's, there's quite a bit of work going on around that space to try and address that challenge.
2: So, what are the uh education requirements, or, or is there an education requirement? Maybe a difference yeah, from country to country. Yeah,
4: there, there's no baseline educational requirements, it's usually sort of two different pathways. Mm. Um, it's consistent across all the parts of the UK, but, but usually, there's you can either go to like university or, or college. Um, and do a degree in geospatial mapping or some sort of sciences or land surveying type degree. Or you can go in through the apprentice route, which is where you'll start at a very, very low level and work your way through. And that's supported by uh, education and training, often day release or or block release, as they call it, where they'll go into university on a part-time basis to support the learning uh, and that, that's where I came. So, I, so I'm actually not a geospatial surveyor. So our institution's made up of two parts, the geospatial surveying and commercial quantity surveying, which is like cost management. So I, but I did my same way through uh, on-the-job training and, and moved through that way. Um, and um, what you find is that once you come out of uh, education or you reach a certain standard, then you'll look at the, your professional membership. So in the UK, that's you know either ourselves, in the Chartered Institute of Engineering space or the RICS. The RICS are a much bigger, wider global organisation that are focused on, on survey as a whole. Uh, we are much more focused on survey around infrastructure and civil engineering, so we're very niche in some respects, but we've got a really uh, dedicated and well-structured training programme to help people get to that professional standard. Uh, and then, you know, once you reach that standard, you can then come on and apply to be a chartered engineer which is a, a different route to what you often hear in the UK, a chartered surveyor. So that's like your professional registration. But there's, there's no need, there's no compulsory elements of that. You know, you could mm-hmm. I could set up tomorrow as a geospatial surveyor, get a theodolite and a total station, and that will be me. You know, mm-hmm. there's no there's no professional registration in the UK.
2: Interesting. So if somebody from the States hypothetically wanted to come over there and become a, uh, uh, a chartered surveyor, I guess, um, what would that process look like? And and I guess, you know, I I guess there'd also be two tracks that person could take, you know, if they have a four-year degree here in the States versus getting licensed via experience. I mean, would would it be a very complicated process?
4: Um, Strictly speaking, no. Um, So generally, like, for example, we have a number of uh, agreements with organizations across the world for principles of mutual recognition where we recognize each of our members Uh, qualifications has been to the same sort of standard. Uh, And so there's a set of what I would call like global standards in surveying which most of the institutions work towards and accredit to. So the application process is pretty straightforward, to be honest. Mm. In theory, they don't need to actually become chartered engineer or chartered surveyor. They could just come to the UK with the relevant work permits, get a job or start up, and that would be them. Um, But Mm. if you want to then become a member of the professional organisations, a so very straightforward where if you're already a member uh, in the U.S., there's a reciprocal training route, uh, membership route. Or if you've got experience, it's an experience route, which is, is relatively straightforward. It's just a set of competency-based assessments that you can demonstrate your experience, a CV, and an interview, and that's it.
3: Wow. Study up on the metric system and head over there. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I, might, I might do it just for the hell of it, right? <laughs>
4: we've actually got we've actually got a few members in the states uh, that and and North America in, as a whole. Um, and one of the things that we're we're starting to do is um, create virtual communities to try and unite these people. Because what we've found is we've got you know a few members that are in the states, for example, but across you know three or four different time zones, right across the length of the, the country. So how do you bring those people together to collaborate, to share interests and what they're interested in? Um, And we're not, I wouldn't say we're looking to recruit or take members off individual institutions, but one of my defining sort of ambitions is to unite the globe around geospatial surveying, best practice knowledge and sharing communities, rather than sort of having any controlling minds or ownerships over whether people in the sub-school.
2: That's awesome. I'm glad you said that. And you're a perfect guest for this show. Um, so you mentioned the Royal Institution of Chartered Surveyors. and It's my understanding. They're kind of like the governing body, let's say, of chartered surveyors. And um, again, my understanding is you can be a, a building chartered surveyor, quantity chartered surveyor and civil engineering chartered surveyor. Talk about those three different uh, entities, if you would.
4: So uh, the way the are so the RICS are a different organisation to mine, and um, they sit alongside us. We're not, uh, com- we're, we're not compared to our rival. The RICS traditionally have specialised in client-led or the building world, but over time that that role's in- developed around infrastructure. But they hold what they call the royal charter for the word severe. Mm. So if you want to be get a, um, a chartered severe, then you need to be one of the RICS designations. Um, because we work in civil engineering, um, when we went to apply for our Royal Charter, we, we are the same as the RSS. We have a Royal Charter as well. Um, and um, we, we couldn't use the word severe in our professional designations because the RSS have already wrapped that up, uh, which is fine. Um, but we do a lot of civil engineering severe And that's the core part of our membership. So we work a lot in infrastructure uh, and civil engineering right across the world. So um, we're more aligned to the, the sort of chart engineer designation, which is very similar to chart survey, but it's, it's more engineering based, which recognizes the skills and developments of our profession and the uniqueness of us um, as being, you know, the, the, the leading institution around infrastructure and civil engineering survey. Gotcha. That's so, your question, Kevin.
2: Yeah. And so if, if you were, t- which category would you fall under if you were doing a boundary survey?
4: So a boundary survey, so that's sort of like, you know, where you're working a lot of properties and you, you're going around just doing that sort of mapping. That's probably tended to be like the RICS. But let's just say you're going out and doing like topo, topographical surveys, mm. hydrological type surveys that go with that, geographic mapping, LIDAR, you know, um, GNNS, that's all CICS. So it, anything to do with properties is generally what I would say RICS covers. Uh, and and the client side of things, and we very much the doing institution out there in the park with the tri- with the Trimble with the kit working with Bentley working with Autodesk those kind of organisations.
2: Mm-hmm. So if you uh, if you were if you were utilizing a drone or, or a UAV to develop you know a three D map, is that yeah. is that regulated as well?
4: It's not regulated, but that is certainly uh, within our members and our institutions core competencies. So all our members do a lot of that work. In fact, we it's a big area of growth for our membership is, is around that UAV type work. Um, and and it's, it's interesting because what I find now is that in, in, in the UK, a lot of bigger construction projects um, are designed and built and managed using BIM models, building information models. Yep. But the underlying underpinning knowledge that those BIM models are founded on comes from our membership, so the civil engineering geospatial surveyors that are our members are out there in the park capturing that information. One of the trends I see is that moving away from just being out there and, and with, with theodolite and, and a total station and actually managing that data, help interpret that data, help be the guardians of the standard of that data to make sure it's captured in, a, in, in the right way.
2: Interesting. How about those rogue
4: photogrammetrists?
2: Do they need to be... Uh, yeah, we,
4: we <laughs> take anybody in, you know, they just all
3: the way some strays, you know that. Can... I'm, I'm considered a stray. You're a stray. <laughs> <laughs> all
4: right. So uh,
2: again, going back to you specifically, you know, the CICES, what are, like, what are the goals and objectives of, of, of that organization or that inst- institution? A-
4: yeah, so that really our objective, as our institution is really, it's, it was established to advance the science and art of civil engineering in, in all specialisms around geospatial engineering and commercial management and civil engineering. And we really are we're a charity. We're there for the benefit of the public by upholding the standards of education, competence and practice and conduct of our members. And we are recognised by the UK and the devolved governments, so that's like your federal governments, in the UK as being the professional institution who specialises in geospatial engineering for that. Um, And we're all about knowledge sharing, actually driving improvements and standards across the world, innovation, getting innovation, help drive innovation and sharing that knowledge for, you know, know, like a societal improvement. We can be quite stoic individuals at times, you know, and it's about actually taking that experience and knowledge and, and actually sharing it around. I, one of the th- ways I would see is as being of what we're promoting or how we do things is of being about a digital integrator around global best practice and taking all the good things from the different parts of the world and actually sharing that and saying, wow, if we all work together on this, you know, look at all the resources we've got, what we could do. And so we do a lot more in thought leadership. So actually going to our, our, our member's and professionals are actually incredibly talented and imaginative and innovative people, and it's really about drawing out that skill set and that knowledge of what they do on a day-to-day basis, sharing it around and saying, "Actually, look what this can do." Um, you know, we've got incredible challenges around climate change. There's a global climate emergency. You know, it's very much in the headlines at the moment. We've got 26 in the UK this year, um, but you know what? looking at things like geographic geographic mapping photogrammetry, all these things are real building blocks to help fight these carbon challenges. We're an absolutely integral part of society's future. And so it's important that institutions like ours and 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 podcasts like this, you know, bring that news out because you know it's, there's a lot of good stuff happening there and, and we need to share that and, and work together.
2: Absolutely. I really like the model that you kind of described there. I mean here in the States, as you probably well know, you know, every every state could have a different um, requirement to become a licensed surveyor. You know, it could be a four year degree, could be a two year degree with X amount of years of experience, could be no degree, X amount of years of experience. But I like what you're talking about how you know, becoming a, a chartered surveyor there, you're basically being tested on your competence. And that competence could come from education. It could come from experience and mentoring. It could come from different ways. And I really, really like that. Uh, I really like that model.
4: Yeah, and I think you hit the nail on the head, with competence. You know, that's, that's got to be a standard that we can all live to. You know, and we work in an ever-changing world with lots of new innovations, lots of new tech coming through all the time. And and what somebody's competent yesterday doesn't necessarily make them competent tomorrow. So we Mm -hmm. we need to keep learning, we keep keep growing, and we need to keep developing.
2: Yep, yep. No, on that note, is there like a continuing education requirement to maintain your? your, There
4: absolutely is, and it's a sort of one of my pet projects, guys, around uh, having really good CPDs, that continuing Mm -hmm. professional development, Mm -hmm. Uh, and. In the UK and actually it's something around the world because we've got a strong membership in the Middle East, in Hong Kong, in Australia. We've got actually really strong memberships there and China. Um, And that is about the local network of members actually delivering and creating a lot of the CPD. So it's actually relevant to the jobs that you're doing. It's relevant to the local markets. And we've got our national centre where it's all a series of like open-ended webinars on specific topics. Guys, what I will do is send you the links and you can, if you want to join any, they're free to join. don't need to be a member. We welcome anybody who wants to add to the debate. And I think they're actually recorded as well. So I'll see if I can find you the links and you can watch some of them in your own time and get a feel for what it's like and what it's about. But it's really important that you need to keep learning. When you, you know, when you think about life, you you can't stop, you know, as soon as you get out of university. It's one of the things I'm I'm a real big believer in is education and and that will to learn.
2: Absolutely. Um, one of the things you mentioned also was how CICES and some of these other the other institutions are promoting, the, you know, the profession of, of serving. And I know, I think on the website, I saw that you guys are partnered with, you know, Elaine and Ellie Ball and Get Kids Into Survey. And, you know, we're huge fans of them as well. What are some other examples of ways that uh, that you guys are, are promoting serving as so a profession?
4: We work with, a, with an organization called DEC, which stands for Design, Engineering, and Construct. Um, and what they do is they actually go into local schools and have created um, programs for actually design and building and using engineering to create smart cities or to create new engineering projects, bridges. Um, and then what they do is they take them out and they, they show them the kit, take them out with a UAV, take them out with, you know, a theodolite, start from the beginning. There's, you know, we do lots of things around that. Not enough, you know, it's this pockets. I think one of our strategic development opportunities over the next few years is putting together a really sort of uh, more coherent sort of pre, pre-university, pre-college system to be able to help draw that. So that, that's just one, uh, you know, one way of doing that.
2: You know, it, it seems to me, and I, I follow a lot of the different social media platforms, you know, it'd be Facebook, LinkedIn, uh, Instagram. And for, for whatever reason, I get the impression, we've had this discussion before, that surveyors are held in a higher regard in some of the European countries absolutely, than they are here in the States. You know, it's not a very respected profession here in the States for whatever reason, you know, that's, that's the million dollar question. How do we get past that? But what are your thoughts on that?
4: I'll be honest with you. I'm absolutely astonished that that's what it's like in the States. I think part of the reason is from, from like, listening to what you're saying is that I think your profession, the profession in, in, in the States is seen as a commodity, it's quite transactional, and so there's you know there's lots of people doing it, so I can just go and pick somebody off the shelf, and yep. and they'll do that. I think in in certainly in the UK and in Europe, it's seen as a service, it's a value add. You know, we, we know that we get the value from investing in the right level of skills and innovation from a particular organisation or a set of surveys or a, you know, it's not just about going and sticking some pegs out or doing a survey. There's actually some professional advice given in a lot of instances or you know it's such a niche area as well that people really value the output so when you often look at some of the social media like um that we do it's all about the value added aspects of of the kind of things that the surveys bring whereas my observation around the states is it's very you know transactions it's like i need a i need i need to go and get a survey company or there's five there i'll just pick one of them and They'll go competition at its the lowest price. And the, the problem with that is it deprives you of investment. You can't invest in your people to raise standards because you're always chugging away at the bottom line and you can't raise your margins to actually reinvest in, in what you do.
2: You nailed
3: it. I like the
4: way he thinks. He
2: absolutely nailed it. <laughs> yeah, the, the whole value add thing. You know, you mentioned it being a commodity and that is exactly right. Um, that, that's
3: the old debate. And, and my challenge
4: back to you guys is so if that's where you are, what, what can you do to change that? You know, and, and that, that isn't a question that anyone can answer because the way that things are structured in the States, it's so federalized. it's difficult to get a unified voice. You know, I mm-hmm. mean, if, if I deal with, like, a, a professional membership institution, there isn't one single one in the States that, that encompasses all geospatial surveyors that you could sort of start sharing best practice knowledge with. You'd need to go. And, and like, we, we do a lot of work with FIG, you know, the International uh, Federation but, you know, you, one of the things I would say is you need to get that unifying voice across all the states, which means somebody giving up a little bit of power at a more granular level for the greater good. And that's the challenge I see for you guys.
2: No
3: question. <laughs> <laughs> I can't argue with that in the least bit. He just, he's so thorough.
4: It's like... Uh, well, you know, he,
2: yeah, he's thorough, but short and to the point. I mean, yeah. he's, he nailed it. Nailed every single aspect of the things that we're struggling with.
4: I, um, I'll throw an offer out to you guys. You know, I mean... What I would say is that we are looking to create a series of virtual communities in the States around geospatial surveying with our existing members, but we're not not—we're um, not a, an organisation that goes out chasing sums of fees, but I'd really welcome you being part of that conversation and sharing your knowledge and practice and opening it up to a wide discussion, and hopefully, you never know, that might help lead and garner a bit of a movement for change. So you, an open offer for you guys to be part of that.
2: I uh, I appreciate that offer, and I would absolutely love to be part of that conversation. So we'll talk. We
4: will pick that up.
3: We we will
2: definitely talk about that offline. So thank you for that.
3: He's going to hold you to it. Yep, for sure. So (laughs) let's talk uh, some of the challenges that surveyors in the UK are facing um, with COVID nineteen, or in just general of the market economic struggles. Um, Can you explain this to me? This whole Brexit thing, a little clear.
4: There's not enough hours, time or in the day about <laughs> Brexit. Let me just say it's like, so I am I would say I was anti-Brexit pro Europe. Um, and it's probably the biggest act of economic vandalism we've been sort of bestowed on ourselves. That said, we are where we are. The decision's been made. We live in a democracy, so we've just got to move on from it and make the best of it. I think from a, a geospatial perspective, I actually think it's been very little impact because we, we work in a services-based economy and, and effectively we fit into that in that space. Um, what it's done is really um, caused challenges in resources. So I wouldn't say that we've had a lot of exposure to the European labour markets, but it has caused problems in terms of some people no longer have re- residential permits, able to live and work in the UK. Um, it's caused people that would maybe come over from Europe to help support us not to do that anymore. So we've become a little bit more insular. I think that's one of the reasons why we as an institution are looking to sort of like reach out across the world and and unite people around common standards, common ways of doing things and sharing ideas and best practice. So um, although it's had various effects on different parts of life in Britain, I think it's actually been masked. No one really understands it at the moment because of COVID. So, you know, Brexit came, COVID hit, and it's just like, well, who knows what it was going to be like because mm-hmm. COVID's been pretty disruptive. Mm-hmm. I think from a on the subject of COVID, certainly it's actually probably been a bit easier on this our community because we work outside traditionally anyway. We work in very small numbers. I mean, gee, um, surveyors are probably the sort of great we've been doing social distancing for years with the odd lights and toll stations, you know. So it, it's, it sort of comes naturally to them. Yep. Um, so I don't it's not been it's been a challenge because you know we, we've had various lockdowns probably the biggest thing is just travelling around the country has been very difficult so yeah. but yeah I mean they're, they're, I think the biggest challenge facing is really at the moment you touched on it right at the very beginning was the bit about um, you know getting young people in maintaining that trajectory my, my big hope is really around um, like the changing skills profile um, you know, where we need more people with digital capabilities, analytics capabilities, information management, uh, and that will be a little bit more sexy than standing outside on the side of a road with a stick. Um, people often think that you're like, you're a speed, you, you've got a high-vis jacket on, you're sitting there with a the total station. People think you're a speed camera, you're the local police. So, you know, that, that's about all people know of you. So hopefully that, you know, that will help, really help develop the profession, bring you people in and new ideas
2: for sure for sure um so yes surveyors were practicing social distancing before it was cool yeah
4: exactly (laughs) i think i've seen like a
1: A t-shirt about that or something yeah yeah yeah. i I can't take credit for that one no (laughs) um
2: so you mentioned earlier about like education or you know university programs um are, are there a lot of those in the uk or are they are they pretty limited
4: there's probably about a dozen across the UK. I think one of the we, we work really collaboratively with the universities. A lot of the lecturers are members of the institutions, the state and regional committees. I think the biggest worry we've got at the moment is that some of the courses are actually stopped, some of the sorry, the organizations are stopping running some of the courses or taking breaks because there's not enough interest. And so as a as a consequence, the, the big worry is we're not generating enough interest, even at a most granular level of university intakes. And we're not talking massive numbers here. A typical course will take between 25 and 40 students every year, and there's like you know maybe no more than 10, 12 on the go at any one time. So it's only 400 a year, but we're losing between 550 and 600 a year. So it's it's a real challenge. And you know I think there's no easy answer to that. It's a long-term investment. We need to start. We probably should have started 10 years ago. We didn't. We are where we are. We've got to start now. And, and really pick up the pace and, and and bang the drum and get people in. And that's why I say that that, that changing skills profile, I mean, UAVs, for example, are absolutely fascinating, uh, like great tech. I mean, I, I getting a drone out, uh, drone race. I don't know if you've ever tried, I tried a bit of drone racing just for something to do with a, with a few pals, you know, a few weeks ago. It was great fun. Mm. You're outside, so you don't need to worry about the COVID rules and things. So it's a bit of fun. But it's that kind of thing to try and help unlock the talent that have an interest in tech and getting these new entrants. Um, had a really fascinating. I love uh, uh, doing anything digital and spend a lot of time in that in that space. I'm a, I'm a visiting professor at one of the universities in, in Scotland that mm. uh, specialised in digital construction. And um, one of the things we've been doing is with digital twins. Yeah. And actually, you think, oh, what's a geospatial survey got to do with digital twins? Well, actually all the mapping data and all the survey data that these twins have founded upon comes from a geospatial surveyor or a, a photogrammetry expert or somebody who does LiDAR. You know, we're at, actually at the real, real centre of a digital revolution. We just don't know it, you know. And so I was sitting there with this company called Epic Games. who make something called Fortnite. Uh, and uh, it's like a multi-billion dollar industry. And they're actually bridging out to take on Autodesk and Innovise in, in the digital twin space. We sat through a presentation with them just like mind totally blown about the concepts of what you can actually do in this twin. So um, I think once people realize that geospatial surveying and and our sector and our, uh, what we do is actually much more than going out and doing some mapping. though. You know, I think hopefully that'll be a self-fulfilling prophecy and, and become a little bit more exciting. Don't want to say sexy because it's never going to be that, but certainly a little bit more exciting.
2: Yeah touched on some really good things there on the technological side, you know, of course with virtual reality now and like Trimble and some of the other manufacturers are getting into that, yeah. uh, that arena. Um, yeah, I mean the, the, the skill set of the surveyor is definitely changing.
3: I got a question for you with that whole conversation of being the guy on the side of the road with a stick. Uh, what kind of safety measures do you guys have in place for surveyors uh, is it common practice for, or not common practice, commonplace that there are injuries on the job sites or one man crew, two uh, man yeah. crew? Yeah,
4: yeah. I mean, we we have um, a pretty rigorous and robust health and safety procedures in the UK. We've got a piece of legislation called the Health and Safety Work Act, which sort of it's a bit of legislation which governs absolutely every every industry in the UK, every job. Uh, it's pretty robust. You know, it's very difficult to uh, sort of get around it. Uh, and certainly, you know, we've got really high standards from, for PPE uh, and, and safety. So, uh, you know, if you were standing on the side of the road, you would be expected to be in a coned off, buried off area uh, with the right control measures in place. Uh, normally, it's a minimum of two. But loan working is permissible as long as there's a loan working plan and you've got a loan working risk assessment and you've got controls in place. Um, but generally speaking, it's at least a two two man uh, two person crew uh, that that goes out and, and does a lot of the work and PPE. There's a lot. We usually what we have what we call five point standard PPE as a minimum. So that's like hats, hard hat, sorry, hard hat gloves, glasses, boots, and high vis as an absolute minimum. And then if you're working in any of the places, like if you've got in a confined space, you need confined space accreditation, harnesses, gas monitors tripods you know it's pretty
2: aggressive safety regime we can learn so much from what they're doing <laughs> over there i'm telling you it
3: just seems like it's a, a unified front exactly and that's, that's a good that's way to say <laughs> it seriously
2: um so I'm, I'm going backwards just a little bit here but when i was doing some research for uh for the show i came across uh the survey school i guess
4: yeah yeah
2: yeah TSA, yeah. Yeah, yeah talk a little bit about that is that like an accredited program or how, how does that yeah. work
4: so, so, the service school, yeah, it's it's like a the word? It's like a professional school that helps people achieve professional qualifications. Whether that's through date course, specialist courses in certain areas, growth development, it's very much post. Uh, it's not it's not somewhere where you go and do a degree or something like that, but it's somewhere where you would go and do a training course on a specific aspect. Um, or there's CPD type courses and things like that. It does. It helps with apprenticeships. It builds as apprentice networks, um, and it's it's not an organisation that I mean we work very closely with them, mm. as do the RSES. You know, there's although we are effectively competing organisations, we do actually work very collaboratively. Um, you know, we sit on a lot of joint committees, and certainly the service School, our members get a discount. You know, if they want to go and do any of the courses and the training, we, you know, our members get I think it's fifteen percent discount there, um, and we we often do a lot of sharing. Of training, so we'll go out and and advertise uh, for our training courses, but we'll deliver them with the TSA and vis-a-vis the other way around. But the guy who runs them out is a really good guy, and uh, you know they do a lot of great work there. And it's 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 that little it's an extra bit of it's a it's a smallish organisation, but it adds so much incredible value for people who use it. Uh, And again, I think some of the stuff might be online, so you know, in terms of the type of content you can do, I think the whole COVID things. Opened up a lot of opportunities around what goes on in other parts of the world, you know, for, for sharing that, that knowledge and best practice.
2: It definitely has changed the face of, uh, the, of things for sure. So, moving forward, what are your biggest concerns and what are you most excited about as it pertains to surveying in the UK?
4: So, I think the biggest, uh, well, let me say what I'm most excited about, I suppose, at the most is from a geospatial perspective, is that change in skills profile moving to digital information management greater use of data and that'll help me address my biggest concern which is just the lack of younger people entering in the sector i'm hoping it will help unlock the talent who have an interest in tech and increase those new entrants but i think underlying that goes all around this is, is is climate change you know from a personal perspective i think that's a real real challenge for for the world it's not something any one country or any one sector can actually uh, help uh, can can resolve, but I'm a big power of working together and collaboration. And I think you know when we work together with a defined goal, going in a certain way, we're very very capable of achieving great things. And I think COVID's demonstrated that. You look at the vaccine program, you know, everyone using their resources and pulling in a certain way, has developed an incredible uh, response to a really tragic situation. So you know, I I, I think. They're, they're, that overall action thing it all fits together for me you know guys in that respect
2: so i i want to put this out there i th- when i was on your i think this came from your linkedin profile it was a quote that was on there and there is no doubt in my mind this this describes you based on this conversation we've had. And it said, one of the key lessons I have learned is that working collaboratively is at the heart of any successful project or business. I firmly believe in driving the right behaviors and relationships to enable effective communication between project teams, clients, and the supply chain to deliver projects to the highest standards. I love that.
4: And, and, and it's true. Um, I think I've been, I've been around this, uh, this profession for a significant amount of time. And one of the things I learned very, very early on was about, you know, you can't get anything done without working with somebody else to help you achieve that. And, uh, and how you deal with those people and the kind of relationships you have with those people underpin those sort of things. So before I got into this kind of business, I used to be in the pub game. So uh, I used to run a few bars in the UK uh, at a very young age. I learned a lot about people in that space. I learned how to deal with people who are aggressive how to deal with people who are uncooperative and how to deal with people who can't stop talking, a bit like me right now. But, um, you know, I think the thing I would say is fundamentally we're all the same under the surface. And, you know, and I think having having a good level of emotional intelligence helps you manage that and bring those people together. I think one of the things I enjoy about being in the role I am is the ability to bring people together um, and and talk to people around that and, and unify concepts. And you'll have hopefully noticed through all the language that I've used today, it's all been very collaborative type language about bringing unifying, uh, driving standards, driving the right way forward. Uh, and it'll come as no surprise as well when I came out of the pub business, I ran into mobile entertainment. I was a DJ uh, in in a few nightclubs and bars for quite a, quite a while. Uh, and so I do I do like a good gab, as they say in Scotland.
3: <laughs> now your industry your pub industry work did that help you deal with uh, soccer hooligans oh, yeah. as well?
4: <laughs> yeah, well? Well apart from probably being one at one point, you know uh, right you, know, <laughs> <and I'm like, laughs> you know it's funny because um, I was quite it was wild. I had a great time in my life like being in that environment. It was great fun, really, really hard hardest job I've ever done. Um, you know you work in significant hours, no holidays, no breaks. Uh, you're dealing with the best of society and the worst of society and the, in the same time you see the best and worst of people uh, you know so um, I think what it teaches you it teaches you that um, a drunken man's speech is a sober man's secrets hmm. is the way I would describe it
3: oh my oh, gosh I think you just jumped my next question <laughs> right there <laughs> I love that
2: you just described CJ tallies exactly oh my goodness <laughs>
3: <laughs> uh, with that in mind, uh, what motivates you, and would that be your mantra that you live by, or do you have something a little um, more, a little more in depth?
4: Well, I touched on it earlier, but I suppose my mantra is say, always walk through life as if you have something new to learn. <laughs> I'm a real big believer in every day is a school day, and 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 never being so arrogant to think that you know it all. <laughs> And I think, you know, that really comes around my family life. I'm a very committed, you know, father and I love spending time with my family. I've made a lot of career choices over the years to be at home, you know, personally when I, when I could have done other things and to worked away. But um, I think the moment you assume that you know it all, it's the moment you stop growing. Therefore, it's important. You've got to keep an open mind, always be into learning. You know, don't become rigid in your beliefs or your ideologies, You've got to be fluid, a bit like water, uh, and be open to all the sort of wisdom and knowledge that's out there. You know, I love reading. I love listening to. I love listening to shows like this. You know, it's great. Uh, you learn so much random stuff. It's incredible. You know, and I, and I, I just I, that's what I really love it. Especially that's my mantra is just about that lifelong learning. Be
3: humble. Don't be overconfident. Absolutely, be humble. Yes, humble.
2: Very Absolutely, no question. Well, I mean, I knew I was gonna like this conversation but i freaking love steve yeah there's so much that Pretty i want to i want to follow up on with him oh my gosh i'm so excited
3: well he's headed this way to go golfing so yeah we yep. can
4: we can get well you hours. know scotland's the home of golfing or shoots so you yeah, can, yeah shoots i often yeah, describe myself as a as a, a i'm a hacker not a stroker so when it comes to the golf ball well, but just, yeah there's some fun, really great golf courses here in scotland
3: I bet. Could you least, imagine going there and
2: playing, like, uh, what is it, Carnoustie or whatever? I would just in,
3: embarrass myself. That'd be so fun, though. Oh, my <laughs> gosh.
2: we got to figure this out, man. we got to figure this out. All right, listen, I could talk all day with you. Unfortunately, yeah, we yeah. got we, we to get to our real jobs. Um, is there anything that we have in Touchdown that you want to make sure we get out there? Uh, no, the
4: only thing that I would say is that, um, you know, I, I listened to your last pod and you are talking about going to Clubhouse, so I'm going to look and see uh, when you're on – on that platform it's a it's a platform that i'm really keen to use more and learn more about cool. Uh, cool you know and and if you can't do golf and we want to get together you should try esports maybe and do something do something online that yeah, might absolutely. be an alternative wow that it's would all be about cool. unifying yeah. and bring this together in whatever way we can guys
2: totally agree Sounds like a plan totally agree all right anything else shooting anything else bud
3: nope thank you
2: yeah. Thanks for being here and taking the time. Um, love this episode. Talk about adding value and making friends. I, uh, we, set, we set the bar to a whole other level, I think. <laughs> All right. Well, let's figure out a way to get to the UK, boys. What do you think about that?
3: I'm, yeah, I'm down anytime. time. on the bucket list. It's on
2: the bucket list for sure. All right. With that, be sure to check us out at geoholics.com Follow and like us on all of our social media platforms by simply searching for The Geoholics. Download the Geoholics app from landsurveyorsunited.com. Send us an email at info at if you have any content ideas or would like to be a guest on a future show. We'd love to hear from you. As mentioned previously, please support our amazing friends of the program every chance you get be sure to mention that you're a geoholic for the vip experience pay it forward add value make friends deacon blue taking us out with ferguson's the blues available everywhere until next time everybody be safe and healthy
3: Once again, thank you to our friends of the program, Aerotech Mapping Inc. at atmlv.com, Advanced Geodetic Surveys Inc. at agsgps.com, Bad Elf GPS at bad-elf.com, Cobb Fenley at cobbfenley.com, Cyanic Automation at cyanicautomation.com, Diamondback Land Surveying at diamondbacklandsurveying.com, Get Kids Into Survey at GetKidsIntoSurvey.com. Land Surveyors United at LandsurveyorsUnited.com. Mentoring Mondays at MentoringMondays.xyz. Monson Engineering at MonsonEngineering.com. Parkland Community College at Parkland.edu slash land surveying. Safety Apparel at SafetyApparel.us. Tiger Supplies at TigerSupplies.com.